All right, last week, uh, Garrison and Meredith uh, got a chance to announce that they're going to be planting a church in South Pasadena in 2021. Such an exciting time for us as a church to be able to see these, uh, this couple that we've been pouring into, that we have loved watching them grow up together and be, uh, find out just what it means to be married to each other, how to serve in ministry together. And now we get to send them out uh, to South Pasadena over this next year. Well, Garrison's going to be preaching this morning. He's going to be sharing from God's Word. And I just wanted to kind of share a little bit of the vision again for why this development space is so important for us. Uh, we have never in the history of Anthem existed to simply exist, to be a church so that we can be a church in a city. We want to do the things that Jesus has asked of all of his people, and that is to make disciples and commission them into a world of making disciples. We want to take all gifting and all different types of people that are uh, the body of Christ, and we want to equip them to be multipliers and to put their gifts into, into practice, but also to raise up other men and women to use their gifts. And that's our joy. That's something that we're passionate about. Uh, Garrison is a teacher, a preacher, uh, a leader, is somebody that we've been investing deeply deeply in and love to watch him grow and take shape. And he's going to teach from First Peter this morning and share his heart and God's word with us. So Garrison, why don't you come on up? I'll pray for you and we will launch right in. All right. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for how you are um, just doing a mighty work in uh, our community, in this world. Uh, Lord, there is a lot of darkness out there, but Every time we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, you shine brightly. There is no dimming of the goodness of Jesus, and I'm so grateful for that. Lord, I pray your blessing over Garrison as he prepares to preach your word, your heart, your faithfulness. Uh, would you give us ears to hear? We love you and praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. I hope everyone's doing all right. Um, I've been right where you are um, most of the time. Um, and so I know that it can get a little interesting sometimes and difficult to stay focused. And I just want us to remember, um, this is the word of God. Um, it's not just a collection of talks or moral absolutes. No, this is, the, this is something that we believe will enable us to have an encounter with God this morning, that God actually wants to meet you in your home or as you're listening to this, wherever you are watching with your kids running around or with your spouse or with a group of friends at your house, in your backyard, whatever you're doing, God actually wants to meet with you right now. He, he wants to connect with you. He actually wants to say something very specific to you. Um, I'm so glad uh, that you're here. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. Um, and I'm really excited to share the story of Jesus with us today. Um, so we've been in a series for the last three weeks. Three weeks, right, Matt? Three? Um, uh, in First Peter. Um, and so the passage that we're going to be digging into today is First Peter chapter 1, 10 through 12, verses 10 through 12. So you can go ahead and start opening up your Bibles to that. Um. I want to make today as tangible as possible for us. Um, I want it to be so understandable, um, so digestible, so so tangible that you'd actually have to pay somebody to confuse it for you. 
Um, now that's not to say that like um, that our community uh, couldn't comprehend more complex issues. Uh, we have a brilliant community, and a lot of you are a lot smarter than than I am. And uh, but so that's not the point. the The point is that I think God has something specific for us. He wants to speak very clearly and 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 directly through this passage. So my goal for this morning is to marry within our hearts this extraordinary, adventurous call of the mission of God to our everyday lives. There it is. The mission of God, our everyday lives. Now, I don't want to just assume that we understand what, or that we all have the same understanding of what we say, or what we mean when we say mission. Um, I know, I mean, especially um, in our Christian context, this word mission, missional, missionary, can kind of end up becoming this like catch-all phrase for something that's Christian-y or churchy. And so uh, I just want to ask ourselves, what, what do we mean when we say the word mission? And so this is what Anthem Church believes about mission. You can actually find this on the website yourself. So I just went onto the website, looked it up under the culture tab, and you can find these exact words right there. It says, we are on mission to proclaim and demonstrate Jesus in our lives every day. We believe every follower of Jesus is sent by God. So we are on mission to proclaim and demonstrate Jesus in our lives every day, even when it disrupts easy, comfortable, and stable. So I also want to read a couple quotes uh, from a few other people that can help us more understand what we mean when we say mission. That's Anthem's, Anthem Church's phrase, so let's, let's continue on. Um, David Bosch, in his book, Transforming Mission, says, Mission is more and different from recruitment to our brand of religion. It is alerting people to the universal reign of God through Christ. So this is important for us to understand. Listen to another quote from Leslie Newbigin. It says, or he says, The Bible is covered with God's purpose of blessing for all the nations. It is concerned with the completion of God's purpose in the creation of the world. It is not, to put it crudely, concerned with offering a way of escape for the redeemed soul out of history, but with the action of God to bring history to its true end. Now, these are incredible statements, bringing history to its true end, alerting people to the universal reign and rule of God through Christ. Mission is bigger than simply just evangelism. It's bigger than a growing church. It, it's bigger than the, the beauty of just proclaiming the gospel. That's a part of it. It's the universal reign of God in Christ. God inviting us to embrace or to partner with him in his mission then means that we are uh, well. That there's really no other way to do mission than through our everyday lives. 
Mission demands all of our lives. We are being called to take a posture in our society that brings heaven to earth. We are living, recognizing that this world desperately needs an encounter with God. God is inviting us to partner with him as he bridges the gap between heaven and the place that we find ourselves. So typically, when, when a message is, is preached or when, a, when someone preaches a sermon, there's different tones that you can categorize it into. Sometimes it sounds more like a classroom. It feels like a classroom dynamic where there's a student-teacher relationship and the, the purpose is meant to help you understand your learning. Sometimes it can feel more like a coffee shop where it's intimate or like conversational and relational. And it almost feels as though you and the speaker are the only people in the room. And that there's, there's probably a lot of different tones that uh, you could describe through different analogies. But one that stands out to me is this locker room halftime conversation. It's this moment that the coach brings the team in. And she speaks in such a way that the team actually feels fire in their bones. Now, it's not always aggressive or, or angry or loud, and it, it can be. Um, but more, the point is to send the team out with power and vision and direction and purpose. And this morning, it's halftime. And I believe that God wants to send us out with vision and power and purpose this morning. So if you wouldn't mind praying with me and asking the Lord to meet us where we are right here, and then we'll dig in. Lord, we desperately need you. Speak through me, speak to all of us. Use your words to unearth something in us. Give us gratitude, give us perspective. Jesus, you have been orchestrating through time the beautiful unveiling of who you are. Thank you that we get the privilege of being a part of that story. We love you. Speak to us. In your holy, heavenly name we pray. Amen. So as a bit of context, uh, unlike the other epistles, Peter actually doesn't have a specific audience. He kind of, it's, a, it's kind of a wide range, a big, a large net that he casts. He says, to the elect exiles, and this is his way of saying, uh, I'm speaking to all of you guys. If you are reading this letter. I'm writing it to you. But he uses that, that language of elect exiles for a specific reason. He's actually giving them an identity. He says, you are elect. You are chosen by God. You have been chosen. You are beloved by God with an eternal love. And you are exiles. You are strange. You are foreigners in this land. You are living an alternative story within your own context. You are uniquely wired 
and uniquely placed by God, you have a purpose. And it's important to note that as we dive into our text, which is verses 10 through 12, um, that it's that um, verses 3 through 12 are actually one big sentence in the, uh, in the original language. So this was meant to be read with one, as one thought. So keep that in mind as we read through this passage that the last few sermons actually kind of spill into this. They're all interconnected. So verses 10 through 12 are almost the exclamation point at the end of the sentence. So read verses 10 through 12 with me. It says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So what he seems to be getting at here is that the Old Testament prophets, the prophets that were present in the Old Testament, they had this deep desire and an interest in what was to come. It says, the grace that was to be yours. So what has been revealed to you? And somehow the Holy Spirit had revealed to them that this Christ, a Savior, would come and that through suffering somehow um, that would result in subsequent glory, the restoration of the world. But they didn't actually see it clearly. It hadn't, not everything had been revealed to them. They, they didn't fully understand what was going on. And because of that, as the Holy Spirit revealed this to them, it, it compelled them to continue to inquire. They responded with an overwhelming, Who, Lord? Where? When? When will this happen? Lord, we, we long to understand. And then if you continue into verse 12, look with me at what it says. It says, and it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. This is a beautiful moment. Peter says that you are experiencing all the hopes of the Old Testament. Everything that they hoped for, everything that they longed for, all of their searching and inquiring of the Spirit of Christ, all of their foundation laying, all of their trials and the struggles that they went through, it was, it was for you. God had you in mind when he spoke to the prophets of old. He loves you with an eternal love. 
All of this was for you. You are in the game. Peter is our coach. It's halftime and there is still a game to play. Do you feel that? Do you feel the urgency, the intensity of his language? The prophets searched and inquired. They, they were working on your behalf. 2,000 years ago, Christ came and he lived the perfect sinless life that you and I could not live. And then he, he died on a cross, bringing us into right relationship with the Father, giving us the fullness of life so that we could experience a living hope in the here and now as we await Christ's return one day. And three days later, he rose from the, from the grave. And by the way, game changer. If, if like someone in our lives predicts their own death and then resurrection and then pulls it off three days later, you listen to what he has to say. And then he ascended into heaven, giving us the spirit of Christ so that with power we could continue his mission, the message of a living hope to humanity. This whole message, Christ crucified and the subsequent glories, this gospel that we, that some of us have chosen to place our lives upon, this is the message, this is what the prophets longed to understand. What a privilege to live in the here and now. Now notice, at the end of verse 12, he draws attention not only to the physical realm, but the spiritual as well. Look what it says. It says, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. The whole host of heaven longs to stoop down. That's what that word look means. It's literally to, to stoop down and to peer into what God is doing in our midst. What, what, is, what is Peter doing here? Why would he say that? Why would he tack on angels at the end? Why, why like, why is he like shifting our perspective to the heavenly realm, making us go, oh man, I wish I was there. No, no, actually, I think he's doing the opposite. He's, he's, actually, he's actually emphasizing our, our position by helping us realize that our experience in our everyday lives through the mission of God, this is actually what the, the angels are, are anticipating. It's what, it's what has arrested their attention, the unfolding of God's divine plan in human history. This is what arrests the attention of the hosts of heaven. Popcorn in hand, they're waiting to see what happens next. They're on the edge of their seats. What is God gonna do next through his people? Peter is saying, don't you see what you have? There's this moment in Matthew 13 where Jesus is actually speaking to Peter and the rest of the disciples. And he, he looks at the disciples and says, blessed are your eyes for they see. Blessed are your ears 
for they hear. For truly I tell you, there are many prophets and righteous people that longed to see what you get to see and longed to hear what you get to hear, but they never did. That must have encouraged Peter so much that he held on to that. Years later, he used the same encouragement to fill the lives of believers in his own letter. He's saying, this this seemed to work for me, so maybe it'll work for you guys as well. Don't you see what you have? All of the prophets working for you. The angels brimming with anticipation, all for this moment. That the moment that we are living in right now, God is revealing himself in the everyday lives of his people. You are in the game. It's halftime and there's still a game to play. God is inviting you to bridge the gap between heaven and the place that we find ourselves So if this is true, then why is it so easy for me to live otherwise? Have you ever asked that? Have you ever noticed how easy it is sometimes for us to believe one thing or know something to be true, but then our lives don't actually reflect that reality? We, we live otherwise. I don't know about you, but I, I don't typically uh, tend, I haven't gotten to this place where I'm consciously all the time living in this constant awareness of the mission of God and God revealing himself in my everyday life. But have you ever met somebody like that? Where um, maybe you've experienced this scenario. You have a friend who goes off to some sort of ministry school or Bible college or goes off on a, on a longer term mission trip and then, and then comes back just on fire for the Lord. They're like a spiritual Yoda or something. They're just like saturating their days with prayer. They're conscious of their own mannerisms and, and the way that uh, their behavior looks on the outside. And they're being careful about how they interact with, with other people and, and the way that they come across. They're uh, careful with the way that they spend their money. Um, they are like aware of the way that they dress. They are so compassionate to everyone around them, even if they don't have the same ideology as as them. And they have this ridiculous sense of the divine plan of God orchestrating itself in everything that is taking place. So every interaction, whether intentional or unintentional with another person, um, seems to result in them sharing their faith and what God is doing in their lives. They'll do this with waiters and Uber drivers and shopkeepers and random people that they run into. Their, their faith and the power of God just seems to exude from them. But somehow, we, we are in our own city living our everyday lives, and we often lack that self-awareness or mission focus. We, we slip into routines, or we, we lose intentionality. Um, there's a story of Jesus when he goes back to his hometown, and it says that he begins to minister there, um, and, and they question him, and there's, there's doubt in the midst of the city. They begin to say, like, isn't this Joseph's son? 
Um, and then it says that Jesus was only able to do a few miracles, a few healings, and then he left. Mind you, a few. Still crazy, but it, it was only a few. And I feel like we're almost living in this proverbial sense of the hometown of Jesus right now. We, we know that miracles happen every once in a while, um, but the eff- efficacy of the kingdom of God just did not seem as potent in his hometown. So, so why? why? Why are we experiencing that in our own lives? For one, I think in our time and place, it's hard for us to accept the exile posture that Peter actually says is normal. We, we want to fit in. We, we actually long to be normal, but exile, coming face to face with the reality that we do not belong, has this way of opening up our horizons to the possibility of being different and doing what otherwise might be unthinkable. We, we actually by nature long to be insiders. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We long to be connected with other people. Ahmad just got finished saying that we were created for community. We, we long to actually feel this approval, this affirmation, this connection with other people. But let me tell you, if you are looking for the fulfillment of those desires in culture, it will never fill you up. God actually wants to fill the longings of your souls. He says, you are elect exiles. You are elect. You are chosen by God. God loves you. You are beloved by him with an eternal love. This is the kind of love that he loves you with. And you're an exile. You're not, you're not alone. It's a plural exile. All of you. So you, you're not where you belong but you are chosen, loved by God, and you are not alone. This, this is a beautiful reality. As we embrace exile, we can be freed from the burden that as outsiders, we can take this scary steps toward to being culturally inappropriate in positive and provocative ways, and then in do so, we can do the otherwise unthinkable. We need to embrace exile. So let's talk about our current season in the U.S. for a moment. Being a Christian in, our, in America, in our time and place, actually puts us now more than ever before in the outside personal mission, living a faithful life, it actually puts us on the fringe, doesn't it? But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Historically, when the people of God are on the fringes, they flourish. When the church is under greater measures of pressure, the mission of God seems to move further, faster, The voice of outsiders has power because it confronts monotony. So listen to me here. This is really important. Now is not the time to cohere the message of Christianity to some shared sensibility. 
to make the church fit into some surrounding cultural mold or ideology. I wasn't sure if I was going to say it this way, but here we go. We need to keep Christianity weird. If we do that, we might actually reach our neighbors. We have to embrace exile as normal. Another hurdle for mission in our lives seems to be our aversion to trial. Trials have this way of arresting all of our attention. We, we focus in on them. For some of us, we end up losing sight of what's happened um, in the past and we lose any vision of the future that we could potentially grab onto. Um, and then for some of us, we get so caught up in the reality of the trial um, that we, we don't we, we, we end up avoiding it. Uh, we beat around the bush of the trial. We try to like hop over the wall of it or hurdle it, but that actually doesn't result in any lasting change. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to feel like a trial seems almost eternal? Or at least so daunting that there's nothing else that you can focus on in that moment. But that's actually the opposite of what Peter says in his, in his letter, in this first chapter. He says that as followers of Jesus, we have an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance. What you have in Christ is eternal. Trials, as Peter puts it, they only last for a little while. As exiles, we desperately need this perspective a shift in our worldview so that as we begin to focus in and trials come, we can step back with an eternal 30,000 foot perspective of our lives during our present circumstances. Exile is normal. Trials are temporary. Now, none of us are going to end this live stream and be good to just discipline ourselves into living a fully immersed, intentional life of mission. This is going to be a process, but it can start from uh, by just receiving the encouragement of Peter's words in the previous verses. We can embrace exile. This is not our home. We are foreigners in this land. Recognizing that you do not belong can either rob you of your purpose or it can help you recognize that you have incredible significance. As Paul puts it, we are ambassadors in this world. God is making his appeal through us. That is the promise as exiles that we are strangers, but ambassadors. We are administering his kingdom in a world that is not our own. Embracing exile can be the first step in taking this posture of mission. And now let me encourage you, you don't have to save the world. That, that job is already taken. 
We don't have to feel this pressure or carry the weight of feeling like we have to save everything that's going on, that this mission is contingent upon us. No, God is inviting us to participate in it. In John 5, Jesus actually heals a man in Bethesda and um, he does it on the Sabbath and the religious leaders of the day start to question him and say, hey, why is it that you're um, healing someone on the Sabbath? And his response is quite interesting. He says, you know, I mean, never mind that. I, I'm doing what my father tells me to. Um, he says, I'm, I see my father working and now I'm going and I'm joining him. And I think that that can be a a powerful posture for us to take as we try to step into the process of becoming missional people. Like if we would just wake up tomorrow morning and say, Lord, what are you doing? What do you have for me today? I believe that God will open our eyes to see him revealing himself in everything that we do. Lord, what do you have for me? That will send you into power. Anthem Church, follower of Jesus. Our exile is normal. But the good news is that our trials come with an expiration date. They will never outweigh or outshine glory. They're temporary. And actually, our, our mission is temporary as well. This game will end. One day, Christ will return and he will accomplish his mission, righting every wrong, bringing peace to the world, helping us to experience the fullness of life. There will be restoration in the universe. He will restore all things and we will join in with the angels singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But we don't have to wait till then to start rejoicing. We can rejoice now. We can rejoice in the God of the universe who orchestrated his divine crux to be fulfilled through Christ and his mission in the moment on the cross. And we have the privilege of continuing that message today, continuing and carrying his kingdom into the four corners of the world, the prophets and the angels, all for this moment. Anthem Church, let us be faithful to lean into the mission of God while it is still called today. Some of us will plant churches some of us will see our friends and family come to know the Lord. Some of us will see God revealing himself in beautiful ways in the, in the moments that we thought were simply just mundane. Some of us will experience trial and we will be able to carry ourselves with joy. We will live as strangers. You will walk into your workplaces and you will see the kingdom of heaven bursting through the doors, bringing restoration. Some of us will actually lead reconciliation within our communities and our cities. This is the call of God. This is his mission, him revealing himself, his reign to humanity. And the prophets longed to be a part of it. The angels are brimming with anticipation in it. We are in this moment. You are in the game. It's halftime. There is still a game to play. God is inviting us into this extraordinary vigorous 
adventurous, adventurous call of his mission of bridging the gap between heaven and the place that we find ourselves. He is inviting you into it. All we have to do is say, Lord, show me what you're doing. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the privilege of being where we are today. Thank you for this mission. Thank you for the, the beauty of what we have the opportunity to see in our lives. Your presence, Christ, who bore our sin and shame on the cross rose again victoriously. And the power of the resurrection resides in us. Lord, this is our call to see your kingdom, your reign, your rule in every aspect of our lives, not just Sundays on a live stream, not just community groups, not just in a morning devo, but in our workplaces. Lord, as we're um, making the bed in the morning as we're helping our kids get ready for Zoom. As we're having a conversation with someone that we do not know while we're waiting in line at a grocery store, while we're bringing a living hope to the world, let us do that. Let us be aware, Jesus. You are so kind that you would allow us to be a part of this. What privilege, Lord. In your holy, heavenly name we pray. Amen.